Let me ask you guys, who, when subscribing for things, reads the terms and conditions, the fine print? George does. I, um, maybe, maybe this is... Dave, good on you, mate. Uh, maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you signed up for a gym membership and then found out that you had been hooked in for a whole year because uh, you didn't read the terms and conditions. Or maybe you were forced to pay hundreds of dollars to carpet clean a rental uh, that you only were living in for a few months. You didn't read the terms and conditions. Or maybe you paid $5 to watch the AFL Grand Final on your phone out, not realising until a few months later that you'd subscribed to AFL Live and actually had been paying $5 uh, every week since then. These are not hypothetical. These are all happened to me. You know, we don't fall for the scam emails from the foreign prince anymore, but I wonder how many of us have blindly subscribed to something that has kind of subs- has leached away our money. You know, businesses are looking for something else. There is something else businesses are looking for to harvest and sell, a new commodity that is far more lucrative. There's a saying that goes... If you're not paying for the product, you're not the consumer or the customer. You are the product. The attention economy for sale is your attention being sold to advertisers. The attention economy where our attention is a resource. Business models of so much clickbait or news company or social media platforms or video games, entertainment... What they're trying to do is capture your attention to then harvest that and sell it to advertisers. It's the attention as a resource and it's our attention that's being fought for. The trouble is our attention is a finite resource. A person has only so much attention to give, but all these businesses are trying to capitalize on our attention and trying to take it away. What's happening is we're getting anxious. This is causing us anxiety. A psychologist, Alicia Clark, writes this. She says, allowing our attention to be overloaded yields mental fatigue and forgetfulness. That in turn generates anxiety and likewise limits our ability to focus. This overload sets up a cascade of inattention and feelings of being overwhelmed that often defines our busy lives today. I wonder if you've experienced this. Are you feeling distracted? Are you feeling overwhelmed? fatigued, anxious? Is it possible that without realizing we have been scammed, we have subscribed our habits over to distraction and it's leeching away at our attention? Maybe you've experienced something like this. You you find yourself going to your phone but you're not knowing why or kind of mindlessly switching through apps expecting to find a notification or something, or maybe you're checking your emails again or scrolling through the same newsfeed, expecting something different, watching another episode, then another episode, or catching yourself on a YouTube or a TikTok black hole where hours go by where you emerge when you, you, you kind of forget why you went to your phone in the first place and it's kind of this time has gone by. You see, we're in this distracted culture that has kind of subscribed our habits 
We live in a distracted culture subject to tools we've created that are in turn recreating us as it occupies so much of our attention. John Mark Comey writes this in his book, The Elimination of Hurry. I really recommend this book, thinking about distraction. He says this, What you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. Or as Jesus puts it, where your treasure is, our devotion, our attention, there your heart will be also. Has anyone seen the movie In Time? In Time, good movie. Movie that imagines time as currency, and so written on your arm, and these people are expected to kind of pay for things and earn this currency of time to kind of extend their life. And once you've spent it all, that's it, that's your end. Imagine for a moment that our attention was like money. What are we spending our attention on? What are we investing our attention currency in? This investment of our intention. And things are trying to fight for our attention. What do we, imagine it's a currency, what are we investing in? Or as Jesus puts it, where are we putting our treasures? Where are we putting our treasures? As we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, learning to live as kingdom citizens, a radical new way of living that Jesus calls us to, Jesus tonight, I believe, speaks to distraction and devotion. Distraction and devotion. He calls us to see how distraction is leeching our devotion, increasing our anxiety. And he invites us to be awakened with resolve to devote our time, our attention to God, to devote ourselves to God, finding our security in him. Kingdom living fights distraction with devotion to the king. That's what we want to see tonight. I want to see Jesus' warnings first. This is where we're going. We're going to look at the dangers of distraction. And then we're going to look at his call to conquer distraction with a devoted heart. So have your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 6. And what we see is the danger, the greatest danger of distraction is that it is deceptive. It's, it's subtle. If you are going to boil a frog, I mean, I don't know why you would want to boil a frog. It's a pretty cruel thing to do. But I think it's the same, right? If you want to boil a frog, you probably know it. You don't throw them in boiling water. They'll just jump straight back out. What you do is you put it in the cold water first and you slowly heat that water up. You see, the frog, it likes the water at first. It's nice. It's cozy. As the water heats up, it's having a great time. It's a jacuzzi. But the frog doesn't realize that that the heat of the water is sapping his energy And as the water then increases and goes to boiling point, the frog realizes finally it's getting cooked, but it has lost all its energy to jump out. What I want us to see is that it's not often the crisis moment that will derail our faith or turn us away from God. Rather, like the frog, it's the slow numbing over time that our devotion and our attention is kind of eroded. How's your spiritual life going? How's your heart? I know for many of us, one of the greatest wrestles that we are having is this feeling of disconnection with God, this numbness. God feels absent. God feels 
distant. I know for young people, this is a big wrestle. Maybe you're not a Christian with us, but you're experiencing this feeling of disconnection and distraction and numbness. And Jesus warns us in this passage of the deceptive dangers of distraction and like the water, wants us to see slowly heating. They can be subtle. Beware the deceptive dangers of distraction. So warning number one, dumb investments. Dumb investments. Jesus says, verse 19, if you've got that in front of you reading along, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. There's a problem with storing up our treasure, devoting ourselves, our attention to things of the earth. The problem is these things are fickle. They're, Jesus says they're, they're vulnerable to decay, vulnerable to being taken away from us. And so if we're thinking about investing our treasure or investing our devotion, investing our attention, it's a dumb investment to things of this earth. This is the danger for us, that we will give over all our attention to matters of this world that will ultimately just be wasted, a wasted investment. A wasted investment, like investing in MySpace, thinking that, you know, this Facebook fad is just going to pass and, you know, that's smart. No, we know that that's dumb. And I think this is a warning that Jesus gives us. He says, do not store up your treasures on earth. Because it's often an investment that we do unknowingly. I mean, nobody makes investments that they know will go bad. Nobody actively chooses to store up their treasures on a moth's nest or on a curb that they just know will be taken. Often we store up dumb and dead investments unknowingly. We, we devote attention to wasted things without ever really being aware of what we're doing, like that frog in the boiling water. There's a guy, Ronald Rollheiser, he says this, he captures this, that, this unknowing kind of wasted investment. He says, it's not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like these. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in the church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. The danger of distraction is that we start making dumb investments and devoting all our attention to things that will not last. The next danger of distraction, Jesus warns, is a darkened perspective. Jesus says, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now this sounds like a bit of a random tangent that Jesus is going on, but Jesus is actually using a different metaphor to represent the same thing. The eye in scripture can be interchanged with the heart, you know, to set your eye on something. It's the kind of generally means the same thing to set your heart on something. It's a question of of perspective, of value, of how we see the world around us the eye, the way we see things. So if if our eyes are fixated on the wrong things, like treasure on earth, Jesus says it affects the whole body. Verse 23, if our eyes are unhealthy, our perspective is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. We put it this way, if our vision is clouded by materialism, just wanting stuff, 
and obsessing over ourselves. If that's how we see the world, is our world and our vision, it's about materials, things, consumerism, about me, that's going to start to shape the way we see the world, shape what we value, shape our character, shape ourselves. This is the danger of distraction, is that it starts to darken our perspective, changes the way we see things, changes ourselves. Distraction can lead us to dumb investments. It can lead to a darkened perspective. And thirdly, divided loyalties. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus uses a third metaphor of masters to describe our devotion, our attention, our loyalty. Because divided loyalty is really a disloyalty. You know, it's not like today where you can have two or three bosses. It's more like uh, back then there was kind of this kind of master-slave relationship. You had one master. I think what might capture this better is this uh, understanding of having... Uh, two lovers. Now, I'm not trying to c- compare slavery and master slavery to relationships. Um, but I want to picture this. Like, we know that you can't go to a party and spend time with one girlfriend. At the same time, at the same party, spend time with another girlfriend. You know, you've seen the sitcoms. It doesn't work out for them. And it's interesting, Jesus uses this example of money. I think a problem for his listeners then is a, is a problem for us today. You see, you can't devote your time, devotion, attention to money while being wholly devoted to God because one of the lovers will find out and require you to choose. What if serving God means you have to take a pay cut? Which of your masters will win? What if serving God, he calls you to generosity and to give to the poor? Who will win? Who is your master? You can't please them both. They both can't be. See, other masters will fight for our attention, our devotion, our loyalty, distracting us from God and, our, and, and calling for our allegiance. The danger of distraction lies in it divides our loyalties, which in fact is disloyalty. And finally, the danger of distraction is distress, a worry. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. When our hearts are distracted and not devoted, we are far more prone to anxiety. Now, I don't think Jesus is talking about a responsible concern for everyday needs. In fact, Jesus has just said to his disciples how to pray, to pray to God, give us this day our daily bread, this kind of concern for our daily needs. So he's not talking about that. Rather, the type of worry I think Jesus is speaking about, and he speaks against, is this unhealthy kind of preoccupation or or distraction and anxiety over life's needs and life's wants. Really, like the command to store up treasure in heaven, it's a question of our loyalty and faith. In our neglect of God, 
and distraction. The danger of distraction is we forget God has that caused us to grow a heart that is anxious. Imagine you're in a plane and suddenly you forget that there's someone flying the plane and you're flying at hundreds and thousands of feet and you're starting to freak out because you're like, I'm in this massive metal box at thousands of feet and you're starting to worry because you've been distracted, you've forgotten who's flying the plane. We worry. You see, when we distract ourselves from God who is in control, we can start to have the same mindset and attitudes to those who believe there is no God, no one flying the plane. Look at verse 32. Jesus compares it. Uh, in the NIV, it says, For the pagans run after all these things. I like that picture of running. Without God, life is a rat race, survival of the fittest. For fear of missing out, we chase after experience, wealth, comfort, power, and we inevitably, we get anxious when things stand in our way of getting those things. So life is hurried, it's busy, it's overloaded because we think that the only hope that we have is is the power that we have ourselves and able to control our situations and get those things. And so we get anxious. You see, that's how the world would see it. If there is no God, of course you're going to want to control that. I wonder tonight, maybe you're feeling this distraction from God and this high level of, of anxiety over the chaos of life right now. And what happens is a cycle. Michael Zigarelli describes the cycle like this. It may be the case that one, Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload. I've got the slide up so you can see. So Christians are assimilating to this culture of busyness, which then leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which means four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting Secular assumptions like the pagans running after these things about how to live, which then leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and the cycle keeps going. Let's come back to our friend the frog. The cycle of distraction that erodes our faith, this cycle is often subtle and unnoticed. The frog doesn't realize he's getting boiled. Verse 23, just come back up to this verse. Jesus says this, he says, If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, remember, Jesus is talking about our perspective, and you know, the light, how we're seeing the world. The danger for us is that we think that we're seeing things in the light, yet we've blindly subscribed to this distraction. It's a much greater darkness to be in, he says, to have this Perspectives where we think we're in the light, where we're not. We've drifted away. John Ortberg, he says this, he says, For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. You see the dangers of distraction. It's fighting for our devotion. And these things, 
Jesus challenges. He's asking us, are we distracted? Are we investing our treasure, our attention well? Let's take a pulse check. What do our timetable, our bank account, our phone history, or our screen time tell us about where our treasure is? Or thinking about our perspective, does God come into our thinking when you make or we make major decisions in life? Is God in our perspective? Are we excessively losing sleep, irritable, restless? We're caught up in workaholism, addicted to work, overworking. Is our life reactive, not proactive? It might be that our heart has been distracted. Our attention has been stolen, it's been leached, we've subscribed to it unknowingly. It's taking us away from God. So how can we rescue this frog? I love this picture. It's awesome. How can we rescue our mate? How do we conquer distraction and create a devoted heart? How can we be storing up treasure in heaven and seeking first his righteousness? I want to just start by clarifying something about treasure in heaven. Often we can have this misconception that heaven is simply the, the place in the clouds that we go to when we die. But remember the first week, the kingdom of heaven is so much more than that. Jesus himself said the kingdom of heaven is near. It's present. It's now. And what is the greatest treasure of heaven? Is it not knowing God himself? You see, through Jesus' death and resurrection, the bank of heaven has been opened. We have an account that is secure. I love this. We can store our treasure in heaven. We can make investments in that account that no moth or rust or thief can ever take or destroy, this eternal treasure. So I want us to see how can we defeat distraction, grow devoted heart. Three things tonight. One, make eternal investments Two, have a more than mentality. And three, get your priorities right. Let me go through these. First, make eternal investments. Verse 20, Jesus commands us. He says, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So what are the eternal investments? What, how do we store up this treasure in heaven? Uh, here's what I think are eternal investments. Invest attention in time with God, be with him, love him, worship him, grow closer to God. Treasure in heaven, I believe, is being with God. That time, I believe, is making investment in eternity. So give your attention to that. Uh, Invest attention in growing to be more like Jesus. This is God's will for you, he says. Be sanctified, grow, grow, be more like Jesus. Grow in your character, in your love, in your faith. Pursue growth. That is an investment, I believe, is eternal. Invest attention in helping others grow to be more like Jesus. Whether they know him now or not yet, Jesus calls us to be witnesses, to be making disciples, to be encouraging others. People are eternal. It was so encouraging listening to Pastor Timon this morning that our souls are eternal. 
And so we need to be making investments in people. Helping them to know Jesus is an eternal investment. So invest your attention in that. And lastly, and I think can be often uh, neglected, but invest attention in advancing his kingdom on earth. Advancing Jesus' kingdom on earth. The first thing that Jesus, that God commands us, Genesis 1, he says, be fruitful. Go and cultivate, create, love, heal, serve, work. I believe we can do that. And when we do that for the Lord, we're advancing his kingdom, his lordship on earth. So when we do this for the Lord, do these things, we make eternal investments, treasure in heaven. So I don't think you going to university is making a dumb investment. Rather, I want to say to you, use that. Use your time. Devote it to the Lord that it might be treasure in heaven. Can you see that it's a matter of our devotion, our loyalty? Just as Jesus tells, uh, we'll, we'll tell the parable of the talents where the master gives the servants a sum of money and he goes away. When the master returns, it is expected that the servants have done something with their talents, that they've been faithful with what he's given them, faithful with their time, faithfulness to God, devotion to him is treasure in heaven, eternal investments. How can we defeat distraction, grow a devoted heart? Next, have a more than mentality. Have a more than mentality. I want you to look down again, verse 25, um, halfway through. And I want you to catch how many times Jesus says and stresses more, more than. He says, is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It's a matter of identity. If we've become so distracted like the world and we've forgotten who we are in Jesus, and if we've been fooled into believing life is about what we see in front of us and nothing more, of course we're going to experience anxiety. But if we know deep down in our soul, our new identity, dearly loved by God, forgiven by Jesus, valuable, dignity, purpose, we will find rest from anxiety. Have a more than mentality. Life is more than chemical reactions. Life is more than a chase. Life is more than the suffering that we're experiencing today. And we are loved far more than you could ever imagine. When we have this mentality, we are far less likely to be enticed by distraction. Far less likely to forget God. When we have this more than mentality, identity of who we are. Conquer distraction. Grow a devoted heart by making eternal investments. Have a more than mentality. And lastly, prioritize your life. Prioritize your life. Perhaps the summary of everything Jesus has said, we see in verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's a question of order. Who comes first? Seek first. I just want to start by saying this is the antidote to hurry 
in contrast to the running of the pagans in, in, in the previous verse. It's like, don't chase after things like the pagans. Verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be given to you as well. He's not saying that if we put him first, then you know, we're just going to get whatever we want, but it's an assurance from God that he will look after his own. So slow down. You don't need to run after these things. He'll preserve our life as we devote ourselves to him, as we give him our loyalty, our trust. We can know his peace, the knowledge that he is in control. The kingdom and his righteousness must be first in our life. Okay, but what does that mean? What does it mean to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? The Apostle Paul, I think, gives us a few clues. Uh, Colossians 3, if you've got your Bible there, it might be worth turning to this. I'll be skimming through it. Colossians 3 verse 1, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul then goes on to describe kind of unpacks this. He says, what that looks like is we put off the old self with its sinfulness and its, with its selfishness and put on, clothe ourselves with the, with the new of compassion and kindness and humility to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. And then verse 17, and I think this is the key. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our minds, our attitudes, our wills, our motivations is set on God. You're thinking about what university degree to do. You think about what job to take or what to do with your evenings or who to date or where to live or when to travel. Prioritizing doesn't mean just putting churchy things first on your calendar. Rather, seek first God's kingdom is a matter of everything we choose to do. We must do everything we do for the Lord Jesus. And if we can't do it for him, or if we know that it's an investment of attention that could be better invested eternally, we we adjust. Prioritize your life. Make God and his glory your motivation for everything. He is so worthy of our lives, and our lives find their truest meaning and fulfillment in Him, in God. It's not about a list and putting God at the top of the list. It's about everything we do, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for God. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Let that be what our hearts are set on. If we're thoughtful, about our time and our priorities, we're far less likely to fall into the traps of distraction. If we're purposeful in what we're doing, we're not going to be distracted. We're not going to forget God. We're not going to be falling for those dangers. Kingdom living fights distraction with devotion to the King. To finish, let me leave you with some attention investment advice. Don't ask me about uh, monetary investment advice, ask an ec- economist, but let me offer some attention investment advice. Number one, reduce distractions. 
So simple, guys. If you haven't done this, turn off notifications on your phone that you don't need to know at every moment. Switch them off. Take control of your phone use. Set limits on apps. Think about how much attention you are giving your phone and take control of your attention investments, where your treasure is, where your devotion is. Unsubscribe from the distraction scam that is leeching your life. Take control. And number two, let your devotions shape your perspective on the day. If you don't have a time you spend regularly with God, make a time. Don't let the news, or social media, or, or other things be the first thing that you see or read in the day. Don't get snared into that rat race. Let God's word and time with him and devotion to him shape the way that you approach the day. If you're letting that Rather than the anxiety and the, and the fighting and the division of what we might see on social media and the news, rather, the first thing we do is we devote to the Lord and we let that shape our day, shape our thinking. So we want to we ditch this distracted, anxious culture. We want to let God shape our lives. Number three, learn to hold things loosely and be willing to let go of things that don't matter. Is there an idol that you are clinging to? a treasure, or put it another way, an expectation of how your life should be and should pan out. Will you be willing to hand it over to God? Perhaps it's an obsession with finding a partner or going on a holiday or buying a house or having a family or having a certain type of job. Are there expectations that you are having? And can you hold it loosely and offer it to God with a view of His kingdom, His righteousness? Devoting our attention, our devotion to Him. And so the things in this life we hold loosely because our priority and our trust is in Him. Have a view of His kingdom and trust that He will look after you. Number four, be intentional how you spend your time. Think about, and we often don't. So my encouragement to you is think about how you Time your week, your work balance, your study time, your rest time. Be thoughtful about and intentional about how much TV you watch, how many episodes you're going to watch, or how long you're going to spend on, on video games, or how many hours you're going to devote to study this evening. Because none of those things are bad, but if we're not intentional, these things will distract us and take our attention and, and, and grab it, and without realizing, we can... Do these things at the expense of wiser eternal investments. You might mean asking a friend to see your timetable or your phone screen time. Ask for help, for accountability. It's about being intentional and thoughtful, not allowing distraction to scam us of our time. It's such a precious resource, our attention. So I hope you've seen tonight as we think about treasure in heaven, as, let's think about that as what are we giving our attention to? our devotion to, when so many things in this world is trying to distract us. Jesus is calling us to kingdom living, to be distinct as his people. He's freed us from the, the rat race and the chaos and anxiety of life. He's purchased for us a place in, in heaven that can never be taken away, can never be destroyed. And we have this small window of time on earth to invest our attention. Where are we going to invest it? Are we going to be distracted or are we going to 
invest our attention in God. And he makes that time meaningful. Let's conquer distraction with devotion to our King Jesus. It's a call to freedom, a call to a life that is truly life. May Jesus have our heart's attention. You know, I don't want to make dumb investments. I don't want a darkened perspective. I don't want my loyalties divided or to be living distressed and anxious. I want Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness. I want my life to be devoted to him. I want to bank my treasure in heaven. I wonder what you want. Is that what you want? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for uh, your kindness to us that you would call us your children, that you would open up the bank of heaven that we can store treasure there that nothing can spoil or take away, that there's purpose in this life, there's meaning. And uh, Lord, please help us. I know my heart is so quickly distracted, so quickly becomes anxious as I take my eyes off you. Lord, I just think about the chaos of home with two little kids and, and the pressures of work. And But Lord, I don't need to be anxious. You have it. Lord, help me to be wise as what I give my attention to. Help us as a community, Lord, to, to fight distraction, to fight this culture of anxiety and to seek first your kingdom. That everything we do, Lord, would be for you. Everything is for you. You deserve it alone. Please help us to be the kingdom citizens that you're calling us to be in this beautiful Sermon on the Mount. To live the life, freedom that is truly life and Wake us up, Lord, where, we've, where we're getting boiled, where we're just distracted. Wake us, Lord. Convict us by your spirit where we might need to cut things out or set limits on things. Lord, help us to be smart with our investments of our time and our attention. And Lord, we want to know more of you. We, we want to see you. We want our eyes to be healthy, that our life would be full of light. Just pray for those here tonight, Lord, who are experiencing great anxiety. Maybe those who are feeling really disconnected from you, Lord. Those who are feeling like they've been caught up in this cycle of distraction and, and have drifted away from you. Just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet them with, with grace and mercy. That you'd surround them with your love. Remind them of this more than mentality of our identity in you, Lord, that we have value, we have purpose, you love us, and you're inviting us to know you. Pray for those people, Lord, who are feeling disconnected, that you would, this week, by your Spirit, stir them, convict them, do whatever it takes, Lord, to draw them closer to you. and Help us to be your people, to be faithful children that love to spend time with you, that love to do everything for your name and for your name's sake.